In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 338. That's right. We're talking about several things. We're going to talk about uh, the first issue of Justice League Odyssey, uh, which just came out and uh, features um, Jessica Cruz, Green Lantern. And uh, then we're going to talk about a few other things. We're going to talk about the Dark Phoenix trailer. We're going to talk a bit about uh, some news. <clears throat> And uh, some other comic information we uh, recently stumbled on here and there. We're going to do a piece of feedback. We finally got a piece of feedback. Woohoo! Thank you, Laurel. And, uh, da, 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 oh yeah, uh, Mark wanted to talk about some streaming stuff on Netflix. So we're going to do all that uh, now. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, Justice League Odyssey number one. I'm assuming I'm recapping this. You are assuming correct. All right, so unless you have a problem with it, because I could do it if you want, if you don't want to do it. That's all right. Um, I've excuse me if I, uh, I cough or clear my throat or something. I think allergy. I, I was. I think my allergies are starting to catch up with me because all season long so far, I've seen other people complaining about their allergies, and I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe it's finally happened. Maybe I'm. <laughs> Maybe I've evolved. <laughs> yeah, maybe I've evolved out of my allergies because everybody people say allergies change during the span of your life. So it's like maybe, maybe, maybe I got lucky. Maybe they're gone. They're gone forever. And then I sneeze like forty-seven times today. So the fall, the fall, <laughs> forgive me. It's uh, coming in full force. Yeah, the fall. The fall is tough. My, I've, I've for the last couple of weeks, I've noticed I've had more fluid in my le- in my left ear. So I've been taking more of the. The knockoff nasocort and stuff, and some decongestants, not too many, because I have to go for my physical, so I don't want to screw up my, get my blood pressure going, affect my blood pressure. But yeah, it's it's this time. I love the fall, but yes, from a, from a from an allergy perspective, obviously the early part of the fall is not good. <laughs> true, true. All right, so we are talking about Justice League Odyssey now. Before we get into it, I have to give you guys. A brief history lesson, uh, well, relatively recent history lesson. Which is why, uh, which for, is why I preferred you to do the recap, honestly, for this, because you have more of a, you're a little more up to date on some of the stuff leading to this series, I think. Right. So uh, during this, this uh, the the backstory for Justice League Odyssey technically goes all the way back to DC Metal. Now, what happens is. Uh, is uh, during the uh, events of DC Metal at the end, uh, after they defeat Barbados and the whole threat to the dark, the dark multiverse and encroaching on us and blah blah blah. The results of this 
but a crack in the source wall, uh, which is no good, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, as a result of this crack, uh, four uh, beings are released called the Omega Titans. Now, the Omega Titans have something, I'll, I'll explain that in a second, but just know the Omega Titans aren't the only thing, the only threat as a, that are, is resulting from the crack in the source wall. This is going to be uh, this sort of ongoing thing that's going to be happening in the DCU. Um, and the <clears throat> four-issue Justice League No Justice series was uh, created to explain and deal with these four uh, Omega Titans. And out of the end of this story comes your Justice League Dark, your Justice League Odyssey. You're going to be getting Batman and the Outsiders pretty soon. That is also a result of that. Um, so this is going to be an ongoing thing in the DCU. But we're talking Justice League Odyssey, so let's focus here. Brainiac comes to Earth during No Justice and recruits a team to take care of these Omega Titans. And he recruits both heroes and villains. So, as he splits everybody up into various teams, each te uh, into four teams, each team meant to deal with a specific Omega Titan, before he does this, he explains it. And I've taken a screenshot of his explanation so I can read it to you and sort of catch you up on, on what, these, what these Omega Titans are. And from Justice League No Justice, I believe issue one, <clears throat> Brainiac says... The oldest beings in the universe share a myth, older than civilization, older than language. A myth of four brothers, impossibly powerful cosmic gods, each embodying one of the fundamental energies of sentient life. They were called the Omega Titans. Entropy, wisdom, wonder, and mystery. Each believe their core energy to be the dominant power of intelligent life, to prove themselves right, they planted seeds of cosmic energy in world after world. At the end of the universe, the story said that they would return to the civilizations that grew over the eons, weigh which energy was supreme, and the winning brother would reabsorb that world. The dying universe is a garden to be eaten by its observers. So, the four Omega Titans have returned. They're trying to judge, judge loosely, measure more accurately the worlds that they've implanted their, their seeds in. Again, entropy, wisdom, wonder, and mystery are their names. Entropy, turns out, he planted his energy in our planet, on planet Earth. Side note, this is why Lex Luthor has now switched from going to, from being hero like he was for a while, back to being villain. He sees that the fundamental nature and the energies of Earth is entropy. So what's the point? <laughs> Essentially, that's uh, but that's neither here nor there. It has not not much to do with this story. <clears throat> At the end of No Justice, they take a bunch of this uh, cosmic energy, plant it in this seed. Uh, as and as the Omega Titans are all hovering around Earth, getting ready to absorb it, Green Lantern creates a construct to launch this seed. He launches it, and it goes into entropy, the, the Omega Titan entropy. And, uh, and not being able to resist this power, this, this energy, his other, four, his other three brothers consume him, and then poof, they're all gone. Now, 
as a result of all of this, there's all this random energy in the universe now. There's the, 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 the source wall is broken. And before the Omega Titan showed up to Earth, they killed Kalu, which is Brainiac's homeworld. So the, the, you know, Brainiac, Brainiac 2, Brainiac 5, all the Brainiacs, Kalu is now gone. And where Kalu was is this storm of Omega Titan crazy energy. And that brings us to Justice League Odyssey. Now, uh, let's see here. Do I have a title page or I'll just get to that later? Yeah, it looks like it's further along in the story. No, here we go. I think it's a splash page. Yeah, here we go. Joshua Williamson is the writer. Uh, Stefan Sejik is the artist and cover. Uh, Deron Bennett, letters. Terry and Rachel Dodson, variant cover. Rob Levin, associate editor. Rebecca Taylor, editor. And Mary Javins, group editor. And this is called Ghost Sector Part 1. What happens is... Uh, uh, we open up uh, with our prologue, and I'm just going to read this out here. It says, Behold the ghost sector. Hundreds of dormant worlds once held prisoner on Kalu, now unleashed on an unsuspecting universe. Kalu had a bunch of shrunken worlds and cities and so on and so forth. They have all now been unleashed. Uh, Worlds that should never have been freed. The terrified souls trapped on these worlds battle for survival and shout at the heavens to their old gods. Why have you abandoned us? Why is this happening? Why us? But one refugee from Kalu knows the horrifying truth. And we see uh, a Green Lantern and what looks to be a Kaluan speaking before she goes off in a ship to deliver uh, his message to the guardians of the universe. The guardians have to know why these worlds were hidden before the entire multiverse is lost. On her way, she's trying to pray and plead that she makes it in time, but she is absorbed by, or she is attacked by a creature. Uh, Her ring has no charge, of course. uh, And as she dies, her ring floats off and then shatters itself. We find that the ghost sector is being protected by Jessica Cruz. And Jessica Cruz has been assigned this by both the Guardians and technically the Justice League themselves as well. Some agent out there to keep an eye on this. On this. And the order from the Guardians is to let no person enter the ghost sector. Um, she is being observed as all this happens. And she has an incoming call from Earth, which is Simon checking in on her. Uh, And as everything goes crazy, she loses the signal and sees a uh, ship flying towards the maelstrom of the ghost sector in its Brainiac ship, piloted by Cyborg and Starfire. Of course, she doesn't know this. She just sees Brainiac ship flying into the into the sector. She goes to try and stop them um, and uh, gets Attacked by the radiation of the sector, she doesn't really know that uh, her ring constructs are, not, are, are incapable of uh, withstanding this, this level. So a tether is attached to Starfire. She goes out to grab Jessica. They have a flirty moment. <laughs> I enjoyed it because I like Starfire. <laughs> and then uh, she sees that Cyborg is a part of all this. 
But uh, before she can get too mad, uh, some massive space serpent creature things uh, are on their tail. So Jessica lights up and protects the ship with her energy as she can. Um, and uh, I forgot to mention Azrael's a part of this. Uh, I really don't have much history or personally much like for the character of Azrael. That's why I don't really want to expound too much on it. Do we know, um, do we know when they actually brought back Jean-Paul Valley as Israel as Azrael? It might just be uh, uh, a factor of New 52 slash Rebirth. I think it has Maybe. to be Rebirth because I'm pretty sure he wasn't the Azrael in the, in the New 52. Okay. Um, but I, but I, 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 I was kind of surprised. I mean, I was hoping, I was hoping once we found out it was Azrael, but but obviously in, in the story they make it clear that's exact. That's exactly the Azrael that it is. Plus he refers to himself being the agent of the Bat, which of course was predates the predates the new 52 because that's what that's what Azriel's title was that's what his uh-huh. book title was before like it hit issue 100 or whenever it got it got finally canned so I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised uh, because I do I do have some ties to I I have I think I have that entire series of of Azriel so I do kind of like I'm kind of glad they brought him back but sorry um no no worries uh, <clears throat> it gave me time to reread a couple of panels so I can Recap this slightly better. Um, so while Jessica is protecting the ship, um, Asriel links into the system and uh, is going to help guide them. Uh, then uh, he says, uh, Cyborg says his mother box is still connected to the ship, but ship, but Starfire needs you to give me an extra power boost. So the mother box plus Asriel plus the power given to Cyborg being fired from Starfire into Cyborg, and Jessica cra- uh, powering the shield around the ship gets them through the initial maelstrom into the ghost sector, whereupon they crash on a world, and Jessica freaks out and asks for an explanation, which I'll read here. Uh, he, she says, you all could have died. Which might still happen since the Guardians are going to kill you for breaking into the Ghost Sector, and they're go- then they're going to kill me for letting you. What were you thinking? Uh, Starfire apologizes, says we need to keep moving. Our mission is one of life and death. Uh, why didn't the League tell me they were sending you? And Cyborg says because this isn't a League mission, Jess. We're on our own. you got to understand this is a moving train. I'm not asking you to jump on, and really, it might be best if you went home. And she says it isn't as easy as hitchhiking. It took all of us to get here. You and me, Stone, we're not just teammates, we're friends. You owe me an explanation, starting with, where are we? He says, when Kalu was destroyed, my mother box was still plugged into its artificial intelligence database. Since then, I've searched all the files trying to find answers about why the Kaluans shrunk and hid these worlds. There is no order to how they were released. It's total chaos. It's like nothing my scanners have ever seen. She says, you have no idea where we are. Pretty much, Cyborg and Nina answers. She says, "We all." Starfire says, "We all do, Jessica. Those monsters—they might not be able to escape the maelstrom itself, but we should leave quickly." And Azrael says, "They should. It's time to tell the truth." So Cyborg um, explains. He says, "Not long after Kalu fell, my mother box started to receive a signal, but it. But this wasn't just a normal ping. It was louder. It's like an urge. I've never felt anything like it. The Justice League knew this place was dangerous." that it was the Wild West. That's why they sent you to keep watch. 
But every fiber of my being told me to come here. I couldn't say no if I wanted. It was around that same time I started to hear the voice, uh, which is what Azrael says. <clears throat> and I, I felt a need to come here, but it was never a voice or anything, just a responsibility. And then Starfire says, when these worlds were freed, I wanted to go home to Tamaran, lost somewhere in this system. But it was more than that. I felt home on at home on Earth. I had friends, I had family, but I followed my heart. There was a piece of me, I felt, as if the goddess Zal herself was telling me to come here that I had to. So Cyborg and I sacrificed everything to come to the ghost sector. And now that we are here, we must know why. And then she's attacked by a rock monster, which gets uh, summarily dismissed and dismantled by two twin seemingly chaotic beams of energy as someone says i know the answers you seek tamaranian because i called you here you three cyborg starfire and Azrael, you search for answers to your purpose in the universe i am the answer your place is here with me as dark side walks onto the scene he says that uh, ever since he merged, uh, ever since you merged with my mother box, you and I have been bonded, Cyborg. I know you have searched for the meaning of your existence. I knew I, I could trust you to get all of you here. It's imperative that you trust me. When my father was Lord of Apocalypse and waged war with New Genesis, he used to tell me of a prophecy. I thought it was just intended to frighten me. But after the crack in the source wall, I knew it was true. These worlds were hidden for a reason. Someone wanted the knowledge of these worlds hidden because of the old gods they worshipped. For thousands of years, the souls here have prayed to them for their return. And now they have. You three are the old gods. It's your destiny to save the ghost sector. I call the goddess, the machine, and the angel to finally bring forth a new age of the multiverse. And next, hero worship. Sorry for all the reading. What did you think? It was interesting. Yeah, uh, let it be said, this is the new dark side. Yeah, this is the su- supposed to be a good guy dark side until he isn't like like Lex Luthor probably. Yeah. <laughs> until until puberty hits and he, and he goes back to his normal ways. Right. Um, I I really enjoyed. It. I re- you know I actually really like the art. Uh, I don't know how you felt about it, but I I, I particularly enjoyed the art. I think it fits the story. I, I don't necessarily know if the style is my style, generally speaking, but I think it suits the story. So I think it. So I think it's good on that level. Right. Um, so, what did you think of the premise itself, though? It's got. It has me intrigued about how they could possibly be the, be the old gods. Right. Because it does show. I. I you know. It, I read Darkseid's dialogue, but it does show um, that. People on these other worlds are are worshiping images and visages of Azrael, of Cyborg, and of Starfire. So, carved out of stone and such. Um, what do you think of the team? It certainly is a, an eclectic group of characters. Yeah, see, uh, I mean, from Cyborg, I guess Cyborg and, and Starfire, I guess not, aren't not so much because you, you have your tight your Titans tie, but but Azrael, you know, obviously, it's hard to think of Azrael playing nice with anybody, even even in the Bat family, but certainly outside the Bat family. Uh, 
And Jessica obviously has ties to with Cyborg through what the Justice Justice League too. So I guess it's not the most obscure teaming of all time, but it is certainly it's certainly if you're trying to sell a book, this is certainly not you know the A team of characters you'd throw together. You would think. No, um, it makes me wonder if what DC thinks of this title. Now, obviously, if if sales change for a title if it suddenly this one starts going through the roof obviously dc will go well let's figure out how to keep this train moving but they have to be able to sense what you just said as easily as you just did so i wonder what they have planned for this is if if this if this book survives past this initial arc uh and into another one How much scrutiny is it going to be under to perform before it's finally canceled? Or how much is the roster going to change? Sounds like questions. We've said a lot about Green Lantern books over the past three or four <laughs> years at least. Um, I would – and much like those books, I mean I would, I would kind of think even more so actually. Uh, clearly this book exists to tell – this book exists to tell a story. Now, the question is, I don't know how long this arc is supposed to be, the initial arc, uh, but because it doesn't tell you in the, on the splash page, like one of 12 or one of six or whatever. Uh, I like the ghost sector, Lord knows. Any, Lord knows we've gotten something between you know the lost sector, the ghost sector. <laughs> Even though this makes sense based on how this is now, not why there is a ghost sector, if you will. I Yeah, so I think the book... I think it primarily at the moment exists to to bridge the gap and to tell a story they they need told, and then anything after that might be gravy. So you would kind of now is this is this monthly or is this bi bi weekly? It's monthly. Monthly. So you probably figure to be fair, this book has at least a year, barring barring a you know a huge going into the toilet. You would think they probably would give this book about probably a year, ten issues mat. I mean minimum you would think so. Who knows? This this you would you would kind of suspect this arc has got to be a decent size arc. So I don't know. I I if I if you had to bet money, what do I think this book would survive? You know, long term, no. But but look how but Green Lanterns lasted. Actually, I I don't know if Green Lanterns lasted that much longer than we thought. We we think they we think they had a vested interest in keeping that book afloat. Uh, so. But still, it's only going to be what a little about four and a half years. Well, actually, it'll be less than that, right? Because it was it was by it was biweekly. The number of issues would would be the equivalent of a, of a, like like four and a half years. But it's so you got to divide that in half. Eh, I don't know. I'd say the over under on this book surviving probably is about maybe a year and a half, barring a, barring a change. But again, like we said, like we said, we don't know if this book is is in if they really intend this book to. Or they think it's likely from the inception for this book to survive because we know in the past a lot of books, a lot of, they greenlight a lot of books that you that everybody in the world knows ain't gonna last. <laughs> right. So there. But I'd be, I'd be interested to see. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, I actually really like the way Jessica's written here. Uh, I I mean, she's she's tells uh, Cyborg that they're friends. You know, her and uh, her and uh, Starfire, more so Starfire than her, have that moment that I've actually seen 
um, shared on Twitter and stuff a lot since it happens. And people are like, oh, I ship this. <laughs> Already people are saying they ship Starfire and Jessica Cruz together. Uh, I don't know if it's for wholly pure reasons, but there we go. But when the Starfire goes to grab Jessica to save her, she says, who? Whoa, <laughs> you're not Brainiac. And, she, and uh, Starfire says, we do not have time for flattery, Jessica Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I am so used to seeing Starfire on Teen Titans Go now. It's hard to it's hard for me to see the an, an, an adult human looking Starfire. <laughs> you should that, see this. You should see the statue I have of Starfire. Oh, I'm sure. I'm just I'm just saying that's that's when it comes to that character. That character, I think, and Raven have just been permanently corrupted as far as me being able to see them in any kind of a, adult. And if and if that didn't kill it, seeing the the hooker version on the DC WB show, <laughs> oh, that, man. that that definitely makes me want to go back to Teen Titans Go. <laughs> no, I got the I got that Koto Bukia uh, uh, version of Starfire. It's it's a statue technically, but it's more made of I don't know. Plastic slash resin, maybe. Um, it's it's overly sexualized, but the the way the the way the sculpt is, the way the hair is, the the way uh, the paint job looks and everything, it was just almost impossible for me to pass up be, because it's made of plasticish sort of material. It was it was much cheaper than your average sort of statue, and since I really like Starfire and everything, I didn't really care too much. And plus, you know, it's. Starfire's costume has always been sexualized, so it's not like they took an existing character that I enjoyed and then uh, created a new costume to make her overly sexualized. Uh, so I had to get it. I just sent you, sent yeah, you an know, image I'm, of it. I'm looking at her. Yeah, yeah see? Yeah, it, the, she's the, hot. The, oh, she's hot, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, the, 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 the paint job, the sculpt, the way the hair is, like, whipping around both yes. her and the statue. It was just so cool looking. That I, I just it was like it was, God it must have been like thirty five forty bucks something like that um, maybe more but I really it couldn't be much more than that um, but anyways uh, so um, back on track the 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 I have no personal ties to Cyborg I get what I mean they've been trying to amp up interest in in Cyborg ever since Rebirth started with that first Justice League series and it's just I still don't care. Uh, I, I I don't mean that bad. I know I know Vic has been around since long before the New Fifty Two. He's a staple member of the Titans and, and all this stuff. But I just I don't care when I see him in other media. I don't care when I see him in the comics. Um, maybe the closest I've ever come to caring is the brief uh, amount of time he would spend in like uh, the just the the Young Justice cartoon. Uh, it's just I, I don't have too much interest in Vic, and I don't know why that is. So it helps that I'm being drawn in by Starfire, who's already one of one of my favorite characters, and Jessica Cruz, who's a Green Lantern, who I'm already paying attention to. Like I said earlier, I don't really care too much about Asriel. I don't have a necessarily a, a bad experience with him, but I just never got Asriel. <laughs> So, so that's that's sort of my my objection to him. And as as for Darkseid, 
I'm curious about this quote unquote new dark side. Um, but is that curiosity enough to carry me? Is my fandom of Starfire enough to carry me? Is my interest in Jessica enough to carry me? Or will I be keeping up with this book purely because I have a Green Lantern podcast that I co-host with you? You know what I mean? Is this going to be yet another book I read just to stay relevant and, and, uh, and keep up on the details so we can talk about it? I don't know if that should be a great motivating factor for you. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, 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 but in all seriousness, clearly I, I understand what, what you're saying. Uh, of course, we don't know if anything in any of the events of this book are going to have any relevance as far as uh, Jessica Cruz. Whenever we, when, how, whatever Jessica Cruz's role will be going forward in, in relation to Green Lantern books. Assuming that again, we keep assuming there's going to be a second book. Uh, so I don't know. I so, but there is something about this story that just cries out trade paperback, <laughs> a graphic novel. Uh, I'll, uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean no, to interrupt. No, I was just going to say I, I don't. I don't know. I'm intrigued, but I. But yeah, at the same time, I don't necessarily know if this is something I would. I would feel overly compelled to add to my pull list as opposed to just mm. waiting till the story is over with and then just reading it together. Right. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, the first issue, from a storytelling perspective, from pacing perspective, I have no issues with it. Uh, they, they, it didn't feel like they wasted any panels. It didn't seem like they were already trying to drag things out, you know, so on and so forth. But... Uh, then you switch over to the art side. And like I said, I really enjoy the art. So thus far, it's enough to make me curious to see where issue two is going to be. So it's already passed that issue one test. It's just I'm already seeing the things that have me interested as sort of flimsy. It needs to really keep the momentum into issue two, issue three, because I know a lot of people – out there, when they're trying a new series, they'll like, uh, you know, more more than really should only give it the first issue. In my personal opinion, you should at least give a series two issues before you completely cut it off. Uh, my rule of thumb is three. I give it three issues to find its footing before I decide I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste the money, so on and so forth, to keep up with this series. So this one, I mean. It's got to keep. It's got to keep the momentum. If it keeps the momentum, if it keeps the quality of storytelling, if it keeps the the, the great art, um, without you know the artist feeling rushed, and he shouldn't because he's got a regular monthly title instead of a biweekly title like most other people, then then I feel like uh, as long as that characterization and, and the interactions move forward, like you said, the ties between Starfire and Cyborg are there. The ties between Cyborg and, and Jessica are there. Uh, the ties between Cyborg and Darkseid are there. Um, Asriel's sort of the wild card. We already see some chemistry building between Jessica and, and Starfire, so it's it's just a matter of, of seeing if, like, that, you know, it, other than... You know, suggesting some sort of tension between Corey and and Jess is—is is there anything else there? You know, so I—I'll give it a few more issues, but uh, I really did enjoy this first issue. The cover is not my favorite, 
But again, I'm not one that likes a lot of negative space in backgrounds. I understand what they're doing with this whole team image, that splash. A lot of team books do that. Hell, a lot of movie posters now do that, where they throw everybody on the front in this sort of stacked pyramid sort of way with a cool splash behind them. But this particular one, I wasn't 100% a fan of this cover. No, it wasn't. It wasn't anything. It wasn't anything special. Uh, the va- I mean, I don't like the variant cover all that much either. Yeah. I mean, Jessica looks cool. Starfire doesn't quite look like Starfire at all. Uh, Azrael looks cool too. Cyborg looks like a caricature, and I'm not really digging Darkseid. Uh, but yeah, I mean. So, I mean, actually, Cyborg on the main cover looks weird, but he kind of looks co- interesting. Yeah, a lot of detail there. Yeah, it looks almost like snakeskin more than more than uh, you know, metallic or riveting or things. But yeah, he looks good. I think that part. So I, I do. I definitely like the the traditional cover, the regular cover more. But it's not a. It just makes you think evil dark side is what it makes you look think of. <laughs> right. So, right. Which is. I think to be fair, we're always we're always gonna think <laughs> we're always gonna think that because that because we know that's what he, where he's gonna end up. Uh, would, are you gonna keep up with this series? I would certainly consider it. I can't. Okay. I'm not 100. percent When is when is the next issue come out? Uh, October 24th, I think. I'm pretty sure. I would. Yeah, I would. I would consider it. I would consider adding that on. Especially since Odyssey I'm really, number two. Since I'm really not getting much these days. Yeah, on sale October 24th. All right. Is there anything else about this you wanted to say before we move into our other topics for the evening? No, but it was enjoyable. I, I liked it more than I would have suspected I would have. Okay, cool. Uh, and for those of you who listened to our prior episode where we were talking about what we were covering next, we did mention Supergirl. That is still on the docket. We will be covering Supergirl. We just – that or not Supergirl, the entire series, but that particular arc in Supergirl be, uh, because we decided to wait until at least uh, – I believe it's issue 23 uh, – comes out to see if this the Green Lantern side of things is resolved in that issue rather than just leaving on a cliffhanger <laughs> from issue 22. Uh, but uh, for those of you playing along at home – that would be Supergirl 21, 22, and then the upcoming, as we record this at least, uh, Supergirl number 23. So if you want to pick those up or if you're already picking them up and want to reread them when you listen to that uh, episode, uh, when that uh, ends up coming out, just uh, FYI, that's what we'll be covering. Uh, what's next on the list? Um... When do you want to do the... Do you want to... We have two... I think we have two choices. We could either do the... Do the feedback now or do it at the end? The end is where we usually do it. So if we're not going to do that, then um, why don't we? Talk? I say we do. I, I say we do the. I say we do the feedback now. That's what I was good because that's what I. That's why I mentioned it because I actually was kind of leaning towards that now. But I know. But sometimes since, we, since she's just since she took the time, let's not save her till the end. Let's get her right now in the middle of the show. All right. So I'll I'll read this one. Uh, this is from Laurel, uh, one of our loyal listeners. So she, this is about our, actually our last episode. So that was so she was pretty timely. 
Mm-hmm. So episode 337 is the subject. So I was like, hi, guys. Just a quick note about episode 337. Can't believe you covered the horrible issue 47. <laughs> Years ago, I managed to somehow get the issues where Coast City was destroyed and then Emerald Twilight, but issue 47 was missing. For years, I wondered what was in that issue. I thought it must be something significant since Green Arrow was in it. Well, you can imagine how disappointed I was when I finally got a copy. However, laughing along with you about how bad this issue was made for a fun episode. Best wishes, Laurel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yay. Yeah, uh, that uh, thanks first of all, thanks for the email. Yes. Uh we've been uh, saying it almost ad nauseum every, at every closing for the past several episodes that we have not been getting email or voicemail feedback. Uh, and we really want to <laughs> we're almost yelling at you. And chiding you to send in your feedback. And thank God, Jess, uh, we got that uh, email from from uh, Laurel. Um, but yes, that uh, it was a bad. It's just overall a bad issue. I, I, I liked I liked some of the art because it's early Scott Collins stuff. It's just uh, I just. Uh, it, it, I said it in that episode. It's just such a departure. I mean, Coast City is just destroyed, and he's pissed off at Mongol, and you ha- you're not only dealing with that, but also the return of Superman is happening at this time, which everybody and their mother was reading. Um, the death of Superman, the funeral for a friend, return of Superman, the reign of Superman, all that stuff, yourself included. Yes. Um, but, I mean, everybody was reading at least Superman titles at that time, so... I mean, we were all just being, I say we as a comics fan. Yeah, we as a comics community, which I wasn't a part of at the time. But I imagine the comics community at the time was being bombarded with right hooks and left hooks and uppercuts like every week that a new comic would come out. So the fact that 47 comes out in the middle of all of this crap and suddenly decides to wrap up. The plot points of this weird Carl Ferris robot thing and and uh, the GL toy line and have Flicker as a villain and so on and so forth is crazy enough. But then retroactively, you then make the next the next story arc freaking Emerald Twilight. When you can when you stick this random holy F what is this story one issue story between <laughs> death of Superman funeral for friend reign of the Superman return to Superman and Emerald Twilight how are we supposed to care <laughs> about anything happening in issue 47 as written <laughs> yeah I, w- I would say it's it's not that that issue as we know, because we read it and we we read it and reviewed it as by itself, you know, trying to put it in without putting it in context of what was what, how things played out. But that issue, no matter even if it ha- wasn't really bad, <laughs> though it is, but even if it wasn't, it was always it was destined to be viewed a certain way and not in a good way, just because now it sticks out like a sore thumb, because it stick because you had that great. Green Lantern 46, which we also will be covering soon. Uh, kind of to go hand-in-hand hand with the uh, wrap-up of Green Lanterns and Cyborg Superman and Coast City. It seems like it's kind of a good time to do that issue. That 
Yeah, that huge issue which a lot of people bought because again everybody was reading Reign of the Superman, so of course that was a Greenland it was a Green Lantern crossover. Yes, you didn't need to read that read that issue because it didn't really it didn't really factor into you know, Coast City was already destroyed and it didn't really factor into Superman coming back like in Superman eighty two. But it was good to see what was it kinda of, was kinda of like oh this was going on in the other part of Engine City. <laughs> Well, no, it's not just that. It's like when Coast City is destroyed, like that's a huge moment. I mean, it's a, it's literally a double page spread, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, in in the oh and yes, in the reign of the Superman story itself, that that whole, that because that issue, you know, what's well, I mean, technically speaking, the issue before kind of I think revealed uh, Cyborg Superman being the bad guy, but you still had that shock. You still had that, not, but you. But you had, but you you know, but you had the post the fallout from coast from Coast City being destroyed after that issue, and then you had you know when you know when the Eradicator got sucker punched, but you know got blindsided and blasted and everything, and how he ended up being blamed for the destruction of Coast City when it was really that yeah. But I mean, but well, no, I mentioned I mentioned it because if anyone was going to read something outside of the main series in terms of a tie-in issue. Coast City being destroyed almost guarantees everybody's going to be looking for a Green Lantern right. tie into that. Right, and, and and I was speaking more if like me at the time, if you didn't have a huge tie to Green Lantern, so you didn't have hmm. you didn't have a lot of background on so, like associating Coast City with Green Lantern and everything else. Okay, right, still, gotcha. You still would be likely to pick that book up just because it was a Reign of the Superman tie, and not that it was a crit- not that it was critical. Moving the Superman story forward, but it was yes, but it was important. But now, because you have Green Lantern forty six being so important and, and having a lot of people read it, and now we know what Emerald Twilight actually turned out to be. That forty seven just looks oh now just looks like what okay this makes no sense, you know it's almost like it's almost like you put an asterisk on it and say this story takes place before you know change a few panels and say this this story takes place before the destruction of Ghost City. Just because it doesn't make any sense. Now, if we had gotten the original Emerald Twilight, then it probably wouldn't be as much of a change. The beat, the you know, the beat being off, wouldn't be as noticeable. Right. But that's, but like I mentioned last week, that's part of the reason I. That's part of the reason the context now is part of the reason why I I wanted to do that uh, issue. Not just because yeah, it's kind of com- It's kind of like comically bad to in certain points, but it's but. Based on the history of the title and the history of the character, it's it it it's unique just because of the way it's you know it it does does you know one of these things is not like the other. That Green Lantern forty seven is the one between four between forty seven and fi- between forty six and fifty that does not belong whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. But thanks again, Laurel, for writing in. We really appreciate the email. Keep them coming. Do you have any questions or comments? We'd love to read them on air <laughs> or hear them on air if you want to leave us a voicemail. That is true. She hasn't done that yet, has she? I don't she, think so. I don't. I, it's possible she did, but I don't. I don't think so. It's been a while since we had a voicemail, so yeah. I, it's hard to remember. Come on, Corbin, you're slacking off. <laughs> that almost guarantees we're getting at least one. <laughs> give, us some, uh, give, us some, give us some thoughts on Sinestro or something. We'll be a little gladly talk about that. Uh, all right, what's next? Uh, why don't you talk? 
You've actually been posting a few things in discoveries or rediscoveries about certain things on Netflix. So why don't you why don't you segue into your stuff first? <laughs> I, for, I mean, I've watched so much recently. It's hard to remember what I watched. Uh, so the other day I watched Constantine again. To, I I want the, the movie Constantine, which actually inspired me. I'm I'm going to rewatch the original. Uh, uh, you know that that series that they canceled uh, because I have that on Blu-ray. So <laughs> partly because. The concept got re 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 reintroduced to me, and I was like, "God, this was such a good idea." Uh, and, then, and then I just started thinking of how well Matt Ryan—that's uh, his name, right? Matt Ryan, the actor. I think it is. Yes. I, I might. Yeah, Matt. How how well Matt Ryan? You like looked like Constantine, acted like Constantine. It was just—it was such a good thing. But so I'm watching Constantine because you know I've seen it several times, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I'm doing some stuff around my apartment, so I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to have it as almost background noise, but something to pay attention to when the action kicks up and so on and so forth. So the movie ends, scrolls are ro- uh, the, the credits are rolling, and I don't want Netflix to keep showing me, <laughs> continue watching, so I'm going to let the credits roll out to the end. Well, it ends, the credits end, and then there's a scene after. I've never seen this scene before. Uh, I don't know if it was in theaters like this or if it was even on the initial DVD release or if it was something that became a part of a special edition later on. I don't know. But Constantine is walking up to uh, Chaz's grave, which is uh, Shia LaBeouf's character who dies. And he's like, uh, he placed like a pack of cigarettes or something on a, on the grave or something and on the headstone. And as he walks away, he hears like a flap or something. He turns around and Chaz is an angel uh, sitting on top of his grave. And then he like looks up and smirks or smiles at Constantine and then shoots up into the sky. And I was just like, what? I'm pretty sure that was in a theatrical release. <clears throat> oh, oh, wow. OK, so. Yeah, I don't I, – I mean, Constantine is so far – I mean, not super far, but it's it's before we're used to after the credit scenes in movies. So I just – I never knew this thing existed. Did you did you know it was around, like, even when the movie initially came out? Or was- oh, I don't know if I knew going in. I'm sure I didn't know going in that it was there, but I do, I do remember – I do remember seeing it, and, and I'm pretty sure I've only seen that movie from top, from beginning to end once. And and I and I remember that I remember that movie. Here here here's a not so cute little story. I remember that movie seeing it viv- vividly in the February that it came out because I was that night while I was sitting in the theater. I was in the midst of of there was there was a there was a whole seriously bad stomach bug going around at that mm. time. And actually, I think my grandfather got my grandfather had had a stroke and he was in the hospital and he got it while he was in the hospital and he gave and he and basically he he kept spreading it throughout all of us and it hit me. I started getting I started getting the the first signs of that the nausea sort of hitting me while I was seeing that seeing that movie. So that so when I got home that night, pretty much literally all hell broke loose. But so I I kind of do remember that mo- I do remember that seeing that movie vividly in the whole night for that for that reason. But yeah, I I don't think I knew anything about it. I think we just I think we just stayed or whatever and and 
and I, I do, but I do remember seeing that scene. That's why when you first started talking about the after credit scene, even now, I'm thinking to myself, is he talking like at the, I think it was at the graveyard or something, and he's talking about it. And I was pretty sure it had to do with Shy, and it was like, yeah, so I would, I would bet that was on the theatrical. On the theatrical. Yeah, because I looked, I, I looked it up, and uh, evidently in, in in the novelization, yes, there is a novelization for the Keanu Reeves Constantine film. If you guys are <laughs> looking for that, uh, he actually appears twice. So that's interesting uh, uh, in there. I didn't read much further than that, but evidently uh, Angel Shia appears a couple of times in the novelization. So that was interesting. Back, back, back! Long before he he was he was hated so much, and before his whole his whole life went to shit. <laughs> oh, dude! You know we should, I, I'm I'm gonna play that song at the end of the episode. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I believe so. Uh, Hiding in the shadows, <laughs> serial killer or, or something like that. <laughs> uh, human cannibal or something. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. I'll, you'll hear. It's been a while since I heard it. It's in, it'll be in the credits. Enjoy. Uh, <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, uh, but, yeah. What was the other? What was the other movie that you that you hadn't you hadn't seen before? There was something you hadn't uh, seen before. Scott Pilgrim versus yes, the that's World. The one. That's the one. I'd never seen it uh, when it was coming out. Dan Dan Kurtzke was super into it because he really enjoys all the comics and, or I guess it's more appropriate to refer to it as manga, right? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, yeah, all, all the Scott Pilgrim manga. Uh, and then the movie was coming out and he kept saying, we should see it, we should see it, we should see it or whatever. I just, I had no interest in it. I had no connection to it. So I didn't go see it in theaters. And then, you know, it's been out on DVD and, and Blu-ray and stuff for a long, long time. Um, several years and sev- uh, several years now. Uh, and it was just never one of those movies that popped up anywhere, you know, like you're over at a friend's house and they have a DVD collection or like, well, what should we put on while we're all hanging out? You know, <laughs> in that situation, you throw on like, I, I don't know why, but our group is partial to like, depending on the level of intoxication in the room. <laughs> uh, some people will be like, let's, let's throw on T2, Terminator 2, uh, or, uh, Mike, Mike, uh, I, I try not to throw my suggestion in too much because it'll get oversaturated and people get sick of it. But I've, I've, I've fallen into this rhythm of every now and then I'll suggest the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> you got people with this good level of buzz going and then this nostalgic movie comes on with the, the, the turtles and they start quoting the movie back and forth. You know, it was just never one of those movies that was just in someone's house. They're like, oh, what? let's watch this. Um, so it popped up onto Netflix the other day and I was just like, never seen it, got nothing better to do. I guess I'll put it on and see what all the fuss is about. Because I did see a bunch of people on social media saying, Scott Pilgrim's on Netflix. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'll take advantage. Uh, and I, I watched it and man, that is a bonkers movie. (laughs) Like it wasn't bad. Uh, and I, I definitely have a crush on the chick, but like, uh, it, it was, it was super unique. You know, you got Chris Evans in there and Brandon Ralph in there and, and all that stuff. So it's just like, uh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brie Larson's in there. Um, so, uh, Aubrey Plaza's in there. I didn't expect to see her. So yeah, that was, it, it was just an interesting, weird little flick. And I just, I'm glad I saw it because I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. 
No, it's, um, I'm trying to think if there's in my mind's eye. I think there is there is something. Like, is is there is there a crazy other movie that's similar, like a like a Tron or maybe like Tron's a different? Uh, what about uh, God? What else would be sort of weird and out there like this? Maybe uh, maybe like battles. Maybe Speed Racer. Speed, I haven't. I've never seen Speed Racer. You're talking about the newer one. Yeah. Yeah. Speed, Speed Racer. Yeah. You all. Oh, you. If you haven't seen Speed Racer, you should watch that because vis- visually that's. I think I'm trying to remember if that's free on Netflix. It's free on. I think it. Is, I think it is. I think it might be on Netflix now. You should take it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Speed it, that visually Speed Racer is very very unique. So it's, and that's what I remember about. And I I don't know if I've ever sat down and watched Scott Pilgrim from beginning to end in one sitting. I think I watched almost all the movie, but I think I've watched it at different times. And it's in my queue too. One of these days, like a lot of other things. Hopefully, one of these days I'll be in the right mood at the right time to sit sit and watch it. But I think, yeah, when it when it comes to mind, I think when, when, kind of unique stylistic movies. You know, Scott Pilgrim is, Pilgrim is kind of like that. I definitely think Speed Racers like that. Obviously, Sin City was kind of like that. Three Hundred mm-hmm. was kind of like that. Uh, so they're they're. There are movies that kind of have their have their unique uh, look to them, but yeah. Yeah, I was thinking like maybe the Angley Hulk version with all the. That's co- yeah, the, that's the, another good one. Angley, yeah, Angley, the Angley Hulk one is another one since it's so much since it's shot so much like a comic book with panel, even with panels and different things like that. Yeah, so that's that tells you that's yeah that's 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 another good one. And I think and I think there's I think there's others too, but those are the only but. My wheel. As soon as you said that, my yeah. wheels were turning, and those are the, the first things that popped into my head. Hmm. Uh, and I asked—I I didn't mention this to you earlier, but I also watched the other day uh, as a super background movie. Like I was trying to fall asleep, movie, but I was just too awake to fall asleep just in general. So I ended up watching the whole thing. <sighs> Journey to the Center of the Earth. I do like—I do like that movie. I liked I liked uh, the, the second one was this one with the Rock and Vanessa Hudgens was better I think but but the first one was you because you were yeah. talking about the uh, what's his face the uh, Brendan Fraser yeah Brendan Fraser one yes yeah uh, uh, and the, the the chick that he runs into was super attractive uh, yes. blonde Icelandic chick or whatever yeah. but uh, anyways uh, so I was watching that and I was just like man this is this is good and Brendan Fraser's not bad in it. It's just, you know, you can tell almost like he's acting towards the sort of movie he knows it is. <laughs> he's, not, he's not given his 110% to this thing. <laughs> it's very clearly not meant for him to just go all out. Um, well, there were, lo- but I, there were low expectations for that movie. That movie I, that movie overachieved at the box office. I don't think anybody anybody really thought it was going to do, do anything. I think it also helped that it was in 3D, and 3D was still on the way up at that time. Yeah. Uh, but it got me interested in like, you know, God, I haven't seen the mummy in forever. So I went on Netflix and I searched for the mummy. None of the mummy movies are on Netflix, but guess what is on Netflix? Scorpion King two. Oh yeah. They, they've, they've, and they've had, they've, and they've had other Scorpion Kings. It's not, not, not the first one either. Not, not the one with the, with the rock. They've actually had a lot of these, the countless knockoffs with eight thousand. Eight thousand different people playing Matthias or whatever. Yes, I don't, I've never watched a one of them. 
the only one I've ever seen was the original Scorpion King. Yeah, I would I would like to see the original Scorpion King. I don't think the original Scorpion King is a fantastic movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a great action flick. And the rock, the rock definitely delivers in it. But I mean, I am not interested in seeing Scorpion oh, King two yeah. again. <laughs> there, there, there's when when you have sequels, they get so water, they get so watered down. Or uh, see, well, actually, we have to be, we have to be technically correct. All these things really aren't sequels; they're prequels. <laughs> That's what makes it even worse. Is all these other Scorpion King movies? I believe they all take place before we met Scorpion. We met the Rock as Matthias in the first Scorpion King movie. So it's like, uh, I mean, which of course, even the original Scorpion King movie is technically a, a, a prequel because the first time we saw him was after he turned to evil in the Mummy too. <laughs> Oh, God, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to see the mummy super bad, and I was just like, oh, God, well, that sucks. Um, but anyways, so there's that. Uh, what else is on the rocket docket? Speaking of the mummy, I saw it, I know the re, the Tom Cruise one has been on HBO, but I've yet to – I don't. I barely watch regular TV other than sports. So I, I, I have not made a concerted effort to go through to see when it's on because I would like – because I certainly was never going to pay for it when it was in the theater, but I would not mind actually sitting down and at least watching it. Um, I watched, I watched your movie *Wrinkle in Time*. Oh, okay. What did you think of that? And now keep in mind, I did tell everybody after seeing it, it is very clearly a kids' movie. You're not going to walk away being amazed at this film, but if you like the books as a kid and go in knowing it's a kids' movie. The visuals are pretty awesome. The visual, the visuals, the visuals are good. I would say, from a special effects perspective, wow, but man, it's got like two, it's got like two stars, like on uh, IMDb. It's, it's rating is four point two out of ten. Uh, Let's not talk about reviews right now. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I have that on my docket too, by the way. Uh, the re, but the real, the reality is, I, I did not, I did not like it particularly well. I thought, I thought. A two, I don't know if that was a coherent sentence. Uh, I I did not I didn't think much of it. I thought Meg was all right. I I thought Meg was all right. I know it's part. Oh, of the actress that played Meg did a great job. Yeah, I know it's the character. It's not. It's but but again, the character itself is not overly appealing in that movie. But it's not. It, has, it doesn't mean she's not acting well. It just means that she's not. It's the nature. Of the, it's how, who the character is. I so basically so trying to look from the outside looking in here. I mean. The, Cal- I thought Calvin was likable as a character. Calvin uh, was. Uh, Charles Wallace, before he became Dark Side, Charles Wallace was was likable. I did like both Chris Pine and Gugu Mbatha Raw. I thought they did ni- they did a nice job as the parents. Uh, I actually like uh, Galifianak. Uh, damn it! I was all ready to get his name right too. <laughs> Zach-, Zach Galifianakis. Yes, him. Uh, I actually thought he was he was quite good in that movie. Kind of like playing a. In a way, you would think he's not really playing against type, but he kind of, to me, he kind of was playing against type. Uh, but uh, I liked him. I thought, and it was interesting seeing Rowan Blanchard be a bully. But uh, since I'm used to her from Girl Meets World, but it was it was okay. It was, and actually, Michael Pena was pretty good in that in, in, in his role too. It was good. I didn't think it was great. Uh, I don't. I somehow suspect they could have made a better version of that movie, uh, but but yeah. it took me a couple it took me a couple of sittings because I went to I started watched I started watching it then I fell asleep not on purpose either it wasn't a go to sleep movie 
and then I and then I finally picked, I picked up where I left off, and it's like okay, so it yeah. was all right. I would I like like you said, if you're a fan of the book, I would recommend seeing the movie. If you're not a fan of the book, if you want, if you're not you're not missing a lot if you don't go see if you don't see it. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I'm still irritated that they elected to not put the twins in the movie because the the Wrinkle in Time story has nothing to do with the twins. So what is there to be lost if you did put them in? So Charles Wallace and Meg have two two brothers that uh, they're not geniuses like like Charles Wallace, and Meg is sort of a social outcast, whereas the the boys are more. You know, they're the middle children. They're sort of jockish, sort of smart. They they have the smarts, but they they downplay it a bit. They're almost background characters in the book. What is to be lost in your narrative by not just mentioning or showing that there are two other kids in the house? I mean, you could have easily set yourself up for sequels in the future. Now, don't get me wrong. Do I think there's going to be a sequel to Wrinkle in Time? Probably not. But uh, it depends. I mean, how much of its budget did it make back and did, and so on and so forth. But, I mean, by not putting the, the twins in there, you're pretty much effectively cutting off every future story in the Madeline LaEngle story it, it books that has anything to do with Denny's and Sandy's. So why would you why would you cut yourself off at the, at the heel like that? Yeah. I would. I agree. I, they, other than again, they don't want to be probably locked into casting roles. They didn't want to be locked into casting characters that were not going to necessarily be important for a while when they could very well just cast them down the road. That probably that probably was that probably was the thinking. Plus, they maybe they wanted to streamline this as much as they could. I'm I'm looking at the, the worldwide box office for Wrinkle in Time was not even 133 million. So you could pretty yeah. much take it to the bank. If this movie's not getting a sequel because this with the budget. I, I, but that, 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 there's almost no way that this movie doubled its, its production budget on any level. So that, that's pretty much – it's foreign box office. It's sad. I mean domestic was sad, but foreign. But that – which you could kind of maybe see because it's not it, – that is – you know, it's, what, it's, it's a book that you would think wouldn't have a huge – wouldn't have necessarily a huge built-in appeal overseas. Mm-hmm. So, you, so as an original story – it's probably didn't draw enough people in visually to make people interested in the real. And let's be honest, the real tie to this, almost like the Narnia stuff, the real tie is if you have ties to the book or you're in, or you know of the material. If you don't know of, any, if you don't fall into those either of those categories, it's probably not going to appeal to you. So, yeah. so that that so I so I watched so I watched Wrinkle so I watched Wrinkle in Time. I watched uh, saying on Netflix, I watched Hold the Dark, which was hmm. which they were really. Which is a weird movie. You should watch it. It's weird. Supposedly, it, it, it's it's really faithful to its source material, which is also very weird. But it's a it's a strange, very very strange movie, and you don't get a lot of you don't get a lot of answers to what's I think what's really going on here. But Jeffrey Wright from Westworld and other things, he's really good in it. So I did like it. Uh, so I, that, that, I think that came on last weekend, and I finally watched it after I fell asleep on that too, which is par for the course. When I start watching something like after midnight, Flatliners. I actually flat the remake of Flatliners is, is free currently on H, on uh, Prime because it must be on Stars, and that's usually the way it works for them. So I actually watched that, and I don't have a huge tie to the original Flatliners. Obviously, I've watched. I don't think I've watched almost all of it. 
again, that might be a movie I've watched in sittings, different parts of it at different times. And I know I know the basic story, obviously. It wasn't bad. I mean, the cast was okay. I mean, it wasn't exactly an A-tier cast by name, Ellen, pa- Ellen Page, other than uh, Kiefer Sutherland's cameo, a glorified cameo in the movie. Uh, Ellen Page is the main star. And I knew she looked familiar, familiar like Kersey Clemens, who was supposed to be uh, Iris in the Flash movie. And that, and, hmm. and, and, and Justice League, and I think in the Flash movie. And maybe she still will be, but as of now, that she, she was the one who was cast, I believe, to be. Actually, I know she was cast. Whether she ever, whether that ever sees the light of day or not is another story. But Flatliners is pretty interesting. I just noticed by luck of the draw that Jigsaw apparently is free again on Amazon Prime. Because I say I say again because a few months ago, by luck of the draw, they had an unrated version of Jigsaw, which was free. Then they had the normal version you had to pay for. But but within like a day or so of me to like telling a few people, hey, Jigsaw's free. Then it was <laughs> then the unrated version was off and the normal version was free. It was paid for again. <laughs> But now I just happen to put I happen to put it on in, in the TV in the living room, uh, the smart TV, and I just happen and it looks like that's free. So and for me, for me, which kind of relates to your, I want, I, this is why the last thing for Netflix I'll mention. I know the the original the original Pirates of the Caribbean is back on, and the yeah I saw that the other yes, day, which I love. That's why that's one of my that's one of my favorite go to sleep movies. I always I I tend because it, I like a movie that's long enough where for some reason I can't fall asleep. I can watch a decent amount of it, and then I – not where like, this is like an hour and 20-minute movie. If I don't fall asleep in the first like 50 minutes, it's not really going to do me a lot of good probably. So I, I just love that movie in general, but I thought of it anyway because you were talking about uh, the Constantine and that, that that you never knew about that credit scene. And I think I may have mentioned this on the show before, but, but back in the day, my friend Christine and I – this was when uh, uh, Dead Man's Chest came out. And we were watching like Dead Man's Chest, and they have the, like the beginning of the movie on the ship when uh, Jack the Monkey like is, run, is is running around, and Jack, and, and Jack takes out his pistol and he shoots him, and then he keeps running around, and she and she can't really figure out, and she and she has no context. Like, why is he? Why is the monkey still undead? And I said, well, he picked up the coin at the end of the first movie. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like there's an after credit. There's, there's an after credit scene at the end of the original Pirates in which in which Jack the Monkey goes back and picks a piece of the Aztec gold back out of the out of the chest, and that's why he becomes cursed to be undead again. <laughs> so it's like uh, that's what it reminded me of. I was like, really? It's like, yeah. So then we so then we put we, we threw that in the, in the DVD player and we fast forwarded to the end after the credits just to see Jack the Monkey go pick up the that one coin out of the chest. But I do love that movie. The first movie's so good; it's really hard to watch a lot. I can appreciate almost all the other movies for a little, to a certain extent. But that first movie was so good. The original was so good. It's just it's kind of uh-huh. and his and and, and the original uh, Johnny Johnny Depp performance in that movie for that was really yeah. So, um, yeah, I've got a couple other movies on my queue list I haven't seen uh, before that a lot of people would. Maybe give me shit for not having seen. I've got Heat and I've got uh, Donnie Darko. Yeah, we talked about those. Heat. Yeah. Uh, I have Donnie Darko is it's really weird. I have I have I have the sequel. I have S Darko, Samantha Darko. They did a sequel about his sister, uh, her character, uh, which is of course equally weird. Uh, maybe not equally, but it's still weird. Donnie Darko's in. Yeah, it's it, it's a movie. It's it's cool to watch. I mean, it's it is hard to kind of like make. Don't 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 expect to completely understand everything that's going on, of course. But uh, Heat, yeah, Heat's a good one to watch. And let's see, I think I think 
for me right now, I, off the top of my off off the top of my head, those are the ones that there was something. I mean, there was something else that I watched, but it, I don't know if it was a it was a big it was a big name movie. But I'll try to I'll I'll try to make a list because it's always cool, especially depending on to compare things that we're watching or, rec- or recommend or recommend movies. So now that we got we talked about that, and you said don't talk about ratings. Yes, you're. The one thing we can definitely say about Venom is that we know it's not going to be a critical success. Yep. Twenty nine percent as we speak. Um, don't don't get, I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to go see it. I have faith in this movie until I walk out of the theater. I will I will fully admit to anything that somebody brings up that I happen to agree with. I'm not going to go in with blinders on and just walk out of that theater flatly refuting any negative things someone says about that film. Um, but, uh, I, I, it's Venom <laughs> and I'll be a hundred percent honest with you from the moment it was announced. Part of me was like, even if it's bad, so long as it's better than Spider-Man three, <laughs> I'll be happy because I've said before on the show and I'll say it again right now for in case anybody's never heard of me to say this, I refuse <laughs> to rewatch Spider-Man three because of that effing portrayal of Eddie Brock, not just Venom, Eddie Brock and Venom. <laughs> Which is too bad because that is also on Netflix. <laughs> I refuse. I that is it, it, I was personally hurt and insulted by that portrayal. That would be one of those things where like I'd be if like I was on the internet as prominently back then as I am now. I could have done something stupid in my youthful rage as some of the people today are doing in their adult times of going and complaining to the directors and and harassing the actors and actresses online and so on and so forth. <laughs> Freaking uh, what's his name? Uh, it's not Toby McGuire. What's his name? The Topher Grace. Topher Grace. Topher Grace would would have had to leave Twitter or whatever social – MySpace. So Topher Grace would have had to leave MySpace because of my wrath at that point in time when I initially saw that movie. So, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, so it's it, – Venom has a, a low bar to hurdle over for me. But, I mean, quite honestly, when you look at, at the very least, the trailer, the trailers alone, let's say the movie itself never ended up coming out, you know, all we had were the trailers. The trailers are already a better Venom trailer for me than Spider-Man 3. So it's not like it's got a, it's, it's going to really, really damage the character for me. No, I, I get it. Uh, I, I will be, I will be curious, to, I will be very curious to see. Uh, number one, how much it actually ends up making this weekend. I will also be very curious to see how how the fans react to the movie. I I am curious to see. I want to, I want to see if this is gonna if this is gonna be one of those instances where the critics and the fans are completely on two different views, two different worlds when it comes to their their thoughts on the movie, or is this gonna be kind of like like Justice League, where they kind of like are a lot more in sync. Um, it'll it'll be yeah. I'm curious. I, it, but let's let's be honest. We 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 knew Venom was the reviews were going to be bad because of the fact that they that the embargo went on so long. 
The yeah. Fact, the fact that Anthem, Sunday night it was it was even later than that. I mean, I mean, people started talking about their reviews, but I mean, as far as if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, that I think it was if if it wasn't today, it was it was yesterday that they actually first started accumulating scores on Rotten Tomatoes. So it might have been today, but not it was it was no it was no or I think earlier I think than yesterday on Tuesday on uh, Tuesday. So you knew that was a bad sign, that, you know, because sim- simply simply put. You know, if you if you have confidence in your movie, then you're not then you you want those reviews to come out early because it pumps up the interest and and the and the momentum and everything for your movie. And if you think your movie either sucks or you feel confident that the audience might like it, but the critics are not going to like it, then you kind of hold hold back as as far as long as you can because you don't want to impact negatively the box office and the enthusiasm for the movie. So we kind of knew that. So I, I think I mean. That's always the kiss. That's always the kiss of death when the review. So, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm curious. Again, I'm going in. I'm going in with with a low with a low bar. Uh, so we'll we'll see. But it it is it's curious. It's, it's it is curious to see how it will how it how it opens up. How you know how if even if it opens up well, does it have any kind of legs whatsoever? Or is it just going to drop like a stone next week? And pretty much be one and done. How's it going to do? That's you know that's what I'm that's what I'm curious about, and I'm curious to see. I, and I'm also curious, some people some people were blaming the Lady Gaga fans for all the negative yeah, the negativity. You know, yeah, that's like that's like the latest bullshit about how how it's the Russians how it was the, how it was the Russians that helped tank the, the the Last Jedi reviews like on Rotten Tomatoes. Give me a goddamn break. People, people really need to like live in the real world and stop coming up. I mean, I mean, there are times to think rationally about, oh, maybe you know, about conspiracies and say, you know, this this would make sense for this reason and for that reason. It's like, really, you think the Russians really have nothing better to do than to, pardon my language, to fucking tank the reviews of last year? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> and and let's be honest, considering how v, how strongly people still feel about that movie, some positive, many more negative as far as how fervent people I think are. You know, like a so far after the movie's come out, getting close to a year now, it's not you know. Come on, just accept just accept that the movie is divisive. Let's just move on. <laughs> um, uh, speaking yeah. of Venom, uh, uh, tomorrow, which is Thursday as we record this. Um, so you guys will be hearing this if you listen to it when it comes out Friday. So for you yesterday, eh, welcome to this. Welcome to the world of podcasting. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll be uh, hyping a YouTube video I released uh, on our YouTube channel um, because I'm a fan of Venom uh, and because I don't have a ton of money. Uh, I decided to invest in one thing related to the film or somewhat tangentially tied to the film so that I could show part of my support. And uh, for those of you who are familiar, subscription boxes are a huge thing. There's a subscription box for everything these days. Uh, And Funko, uh, the maker of those pop vinyls that are all over the place anywhere you go, and the geek world uh, is uh, has their own subscription box, and for a while they were handling it themselves. But now it's been passed over to uh, Amazon, uh, and I believe it's like twenty five ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine, something like that, and free shipping. Um, so I signed up for the Funko Marvel Collector Core box for September. 
Uh, and it's shipped on the 28th, and I got it in my hands and unboxed it. And why did I get it? Because it's Venom-themed this time. Uh, so I got a Venom Marvel Collector Core box, and I unboxed it and did an unboxing for our YouTube channel. Um, and the contents therein, you'll be able to see that. Of course, there's a pop because it's from Funko, but it's an exclusive Marvel Collector Core pop that you'll only get in the Venom Marvel Collector Core Funko box for that month. Uh, and because the, these uh, subscription boxes have already shipped, you can't get them on Amazon again. Uh, you're going to have to go to a third party to get them, so try and search like eBay and stuff if you want it. But I def- if you're curious about what was in the box and the shirt I'll be wearing to uh, opening night tomorrow night, uh, then go over to our YouTube page and check out that video, the Venom Marvel Collector Core unboxing. Uh, it'll also be posted uh, uh, on our Facebook and our Twitter, so you can find it there as well. So you can check out that link. But yeah, the, the, I will say this: the pop is a bobblehead. I'm not fr- I'm not particularly fa- a fan of the bobblehead when it comes to pops. Uh, the only time I will ever invest in a bobblehead is if you either A, can't get the sculpt any other way, or B, it's just a really, really, really cool sculpt. And the Venom exclusive pop for the Marvel Collector Core uh, box is a really, really, really cool pop. <laughs> so you're definitely going to watch that video. Want to watch that video to, uh, to see what it looks like. And I swear I'm not just saying that <laughs> to drive up traffic <laughs> to the video or anything. Uh, so if you're curious, you really should, it's a really cool looking pop. Mark, you saw, you, you saw it. So without telling everybody for sure what's, what's all in there and stuff, what do you, what did you think of the pop? It's not bad. I mean, I've, I, I was just actually reading some of the stuff on Amazon while you were talking. Some, there, there, there certainly is some criticism compared to, I guess, what used to be in collected core boxes. I think people are not necessarily happy with the either with the assortment or the way that the products are being divvied up versus the old days. But I didn't think it was bad looking at what, what was in the box. I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. It's a really interesting decision in general why, Funk, why Funko has decided to do this because even like the Smuggler's Bounty Box for Star Wars, that's, that's on Amazon too. Like right now it's like uh, Cloud City is the uh, theme, which of course had no appeal to me whatsoever. Uh, I don't know exactly what's in that box because I, I didn't I didn't even bother googling to see if the contents are uh, if anything is well the contents if they're not out yet they will be soon because it says estimated ship date on on the Cloud City box is October 28th so if the con- hmm. the full contents haven't been leaked yet they're going to be soon uh, I guess it's easier if I want to I get in a way it's easier to manage and have, instead of having to go with the Star Wars site but I had been I kind of given up on my uh, I had kind of given up on Smuggler's Bounty anyway. It would have to be a great theme for me to yeah. for me to sign back up, and I, and, I, and like, which makes sense. Like even yours, I mean, it's like it, it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard to just plunk 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 down that money every month, no matter what, no matter what it is. I had a yeah. I immediately I immediately canceled after I got my after I got my uh, box in the mail. Yeah, and I did the so. same thing when we for that for the uh, DC thing, but the. The Green Lantern theme box that came out, but I had to sign up for that. Then I had to, and I had to cancel that. Oh, so you got it? I didn't know you got it. Yeah, I did. God, nice. Because I'm I'm trying to, I'm I'm gonna wait a while because I know that box wasn't super huge, uh, but I'm I'm going to get that three pack of Funkos at some point. 
Well, maybe at some point I'll maybe at some point I'll send it. I'll send it your way. It's not like I not like I opened it. Uh, oh no no no! You 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 clearly got the box because you wanted something. Well, uh, got, yeah, but it's like a lot of things. Like I trust me, I, I've I've gotten a lot of stuff, and this is just part of it's who I am. But it also depends on the content. I've I would have to say to be honest with you, of of, of all the stuff that I've gotten in in all my collect and the, the collectors boxes, and I had Smuggler's Bounty from before it it op- premiered. Like with Force Awakens, all the way through. Uh, I think the Sith. I think the Sith box was the last one that I got. The one that had Darth Maul on the cover, which was a good box, by the way. It had a really cool Clone Wars version of Darth Maul. But I've, I would probably say I, I've only kept like about half the stuff. I've, I've probably given away half half the stuff, either to you or to Jim or to or to my friend John or when Chuck was alive to Chuck. I mean, I still have a lot of pins and things. But like I gave Chuck all the patches that used to come in the Star Wars and the Smuggler's Bounty box. So I'm not saying 100%. I mean if you can get it cheap and you get it, that's great. I'm just saying I don't necessarily have a huge tie to that three-pack. I like Guy. The fact that Guy's in it is cool. But Kilowog, you know, it's all right. And I could and Chip is eh. But I mean – Did you like the shirt that came with it? Yeah, the shirt wasn't bad. I actually did. I do actually have the shirt in my closet, so that 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 by itself is a rarity because most of the shirts that come in, most of the shirts I've gotten in those collectors' boxes, do they never see the light of day as far as me ever taking my other package. Uh, but I, though I do have the the one from the Death Star box from Smuggler's Bounty, which had Obi, which had almost like a set up like a t- like a title fight, like a battle on the Death Star with you know Darth, with Vader versus Kenobi. I kind of that one was cool. That one I have out. The, the the Green Lantern Power Battery Stress Ball that came with that was pretty cool yeah, when I so saw it. I have that at yeah. work. That, that I have at work. That yeah, was, that's pretty cool. That was one of the cool things. And the, uh, I'm trying to remember the other thing they had, which was like Sinestro and Hal or whatever it was. Um, I forget what the hell they, they were. I keep wishing someone like would put out a box and like put in a uh, – uh, a uh, beach uh, deflated beach ball with the uh, Mogo print on it. <laughs> <laughs> like that that's that's got to be super cheap to produce, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, it, it's but again with these with these uh with these uh boxes, it's 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 really hard to it's kind of really yeah, because you get screwed over once, uh, you're all of a sudden w- wondering where your money's going. So, and, depend- and, and depending on what the <clears throat> depending on what the service is, uh, it might just be where you get you know you get too much of this. Like they have a, I I was and I'm gonna resubscribe probably as we get closer to Christmas. I was signed up for Rescue Box, which is a which is a pet a pet box. And hmm. like, a, and a certain percentage of the money goes to take care of like uh, I think like it, to feed to feed homeless animals and, and and things like that, give them their shots and things like that. So it's going to a good cause. But and the boxes weren't bad. I mean, I, I would say it's a, you know it's around it's around the same price. You know, it's around thirty. It's, it's a, like around close to thirty bucks a month. And and you specify a cat box or a dog box, or whatever. So I get the cat box for, for the girls. And I've gotten some good stuff. I mean, most of them, the, the majority is you get some. Sometimes you get some some treats, and you get some toys, and you have a lot of stuff. We you know you get a lot of catnip toys, infused toys, things like that. But I have so many cat toys, so that's one of the reasons why I kind of like stopped it, like about maybe th- 
three months ago or so, just because it's like I have enough I have enough surplus toys from the from, from the boxes. I already have a decent amount of stuff to give them like for Christmas. So I figured I'll re- I'll start this up again probably like like if not. I think I'll start it up again if maybe in November and just get a, get the November box and maybe the December box and then. But it's I'm actually looking at I'm looking at the contents of this uh, the Green Lantern box. Jeez, on some on Macari.com it's for like for twenty one bucks. Yeah, you got the the Hal Jordan and Sinestro pint size heroes too. Yeah, still? that's what I was talking about. That I liked. That I didn't yeah. open it, but I liked it, and I do like the squeeze ball. I like. Uh, the three pack isn't bad. I wish it was some, you know, I you know it's me. So I I I it would have been cooler to me if you had like if even if they threw in guy if it was like Atrocitus and Saint Walker that would be cooler to me than. But I yeah, some un, some unique sculpts like a, a Guardian would be cool. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's not bad. I mean it it I was not I was not unhappy with that box. So they are cool. I, I mean I it's like everything else and. I mean, that's why I never bothered. I never liked knowing everything that was everything that was in the box. I didn't mind knowing some stuff that was in the box. I just didn't like knowing everything because like that's kind of like the surprise. You kind of like you kind of like it's like opening a little blind pack or something. I mean, it's like you. It's some sometimes it serves its purpose because it's a mystery and it's cool. Obviously, if there's only one thing that you liked, yeah, you wish you could tell which one it was or just order it, as opposed to you know blowing money right. on it, but. Yeah, so it's uh, Dark Phoenix. We if we pass, must, we could pass it. We could roll that over to another show. I mean, because 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 the odds are, assuming assuming our Venom episode is next week, that we're gonna need something else on anyway. Because I don't think we're gonna be talking for an hour on Venom. In all honesty, I don't think so. Yeah, let's save Dark Phoenix because I'm gonna have. To, I, I I don't have the energy to care. <laughs> It was so. Yeah. If you want to give me, if you want to preview what Chad thinks of the Dark Phoenix trailer, there you go. <laughs> but I will say, I do think it was better than the Apocalypse trailer. Yeah, true. Which I know that's not hard very, to beat. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a very that's a that's a very low bar. That's that's like that that's like saying, well, you know, I'll, I'll take the punch in the arm because the last time I got kicked in the nuts, you know. So it's like, yeah, that's a that's a bit that's a huge improvement, but it still hurts. <laughs> So I was like, so all right, so I I think that'll be that's gonna be it then, right? Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, if people want to send us some feedback like they did, uh, like Laurel did, how do they do that? Lanterncast at gmail dot com. The website is lanterncast dot com. We are on Facebook and we are on Twitter, so you can use GL hashtag GLcast to locate us on those. iTunes and Stitcher, uh, whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, 708 Lantern is the voicemail. So let us know. Corwin, let us know what you th- what you think. And so, yes, probably probably Venom next. Uh, we know we still have, yes, the Supergirl thing will be coming up somewhere in the near future. We have uh, Green Lantern 46 we want to do. And obviously probably well, Green, Lanterns just come, Green Lanterns is just coming out or came out today. Which means mm-hmm. we have a, which means we at least have another two weeks before the series ends. So probably yeah. So we'll definitely be doing Supergirl uh, before then. Uh, you you want to do forty six to to keep in uh, with the, the theme of what's happening in Green Lanterns. We're definitely doing Venom next, uh, and, uh, and then I, I guess we'll, we'll 
Yeah, we'll pick prob- something from the list. Yeah, I'm probably so probably. I guess it's safe to say somewhere around the beginning. Of, but this is still only what the first week in October, technically. Um, da, 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 da. Either the end. Oh, and speaking of, we already know what the Halloween thing will be. So probably, probably the first. I mean, if I had to guess, maybe the first release in November might be the Green Lanterns wrap up. Yeah. All right. Unless we unless things get pressed and we decide to throw forty throw forty six into that too. Well, uh, if I get my press pass to the Alamo City Comic Con, uh, I will have some interviews to put out there. So that's some content we could have coming down the line too. But uh, that's one of those things where they like to tell you, yeah, <laughs> like a week or two before if you're approved or not. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and, and then we have that we have that that pesky. Uh, 10-year anniversary episode coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Which is... We do. Yes, which will be yet... Very uh, fast. Yes, faster than... So, speaking of singing, sending us content, if you want to send us an email or voicemails about uh, the Lantern cast in general, how long you've been listening, what your favorite moments are, so on and so forth, our 10-year anniversary is happening around mid-November. So, you know there will be a big celebratory ep- uh, episode around then, so... That's the 10-year anniversary for the show and the five-year anniversary of me and Mark being on. So definitely send in those voicemails, send in those emails so we have a bunch of fan content to read. Yeah, that definitely would be cool. And, yeah, that's going to be – it's going to be big. It's, I mean, no matter what we do, for us, it's big, the fact that this show has been on for 10 years, the fact that now Chad and I will have done it alone for five. Obviously, Chad – you te- you are you are kind of like the common thread here, last of the old, <laughs> first of the new kind of thing. So your your time on the show is going to be longer than than anybody's really. Uh, even though we know Jim technically is still on fairly often. So other than Jim, because you have more of a presence on the show, um, he has more of a presence on the show now, certainly than anybody who was in the original uh, creation of the show. But it's special. It'll be special for us because because we now will be reaching the point where technically, from just from an episodic release perspective, that the show, if if, if oh, probably only in that regard, that the show will be quote unquote more ours than theirs, just because we would have put out more content. That we would have been doing the show technically longer than they did the show. So that so that's kind of a cool milestone too. Um, yeah, for sure. And our 400th episode is coming up relatively. I mean, not super soon, but three fifty coming up. Three fifty is coming up. Three fifty won't probably won't we won't be getting to it till into next year. Right. But yeah, but yeah, three fifty, and then, but at that pace, we could possibly get, depending how early we hit three fifty. Well, no, we definitely will do three seventy five in twenty nineteen. Four hundred might be another one that might end up probably with spinoffs or thing other things. It might very well get rolled over into. Just thinking about the math of it, because we don't put out an episode every week. We do, we do, we do a good job, you know. We put out over 40, 40 episodes, you know, forty something episodes a year. So, but even allowing that, you know, if we just hit three fifty in the beginning of January, then that means that pretty much the whole year, even if we re- release proper episodes throughout the year, only that would get us close to four hundred by the by the end of December. So, it'll probably be another one where three four hundred will be like. Early 2020, probably. But still, not too shabby. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next time where we'll be talking about Venom. Good night, everybody. Good night.
You're walking in the woods. There's no one around and your phone is dead. Out of the corner of your eye you spot him. He's following you, about 30 feet back. He gets down on all fours and breaks into a sprint. He's gaining on you. Shia LaBeouf. You're looking for your car, but you're all turned around. He's almost upon you now, and you can see there's blood on his face. My God, there's blood everywhere. Running for your life from Shia LaBeouf. He's brandishing a knife. It's Shia LaBeouf lurking in the shadows. Hollywood superstar Shia LaBeouf living in the woods. Shia LaBeouf killing for sport. Shia LaBeouf eating all the bodies. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Now it's dark, and you seem to have lost him, but you're hopelessly lost yourself. Stranded with a murderer, you creep silently through the underbrush. Aha! In the distance, a small cottage with a light on. Hope! You move stealthily toward it, but your leg! Ah! It's caught in a bear trap! Gnawing off your leg! Quiet, quiet! Limping to the cottage! Quiet, quiet! Now you're on the doorstep! Sitting inside, Shia LaBeouf Sharpening an axe, Shia LaBeouf But he doesn't hear you enter, Shia LaBeouf You're sneaking up behind him Strangling superstar Shia LaBeouf Fighting for your life with Shia LaBeouf Wrestling a knife from Shia LaBeouf Stabbing in his kidney Safe at last from Shia LaBeouf You limp into the dark woods Blood oozing from your stump leg but you've won. You have beaten Shia LaBeouf.